Welcome to the Marketing Science Podcast, the podcast for sales and marketing professionals working within science, engineering, and healthcare. My name is Danny Lazell, your co-host for season three. This week's guest is Sara Stella Latanzio. Sara is marketing manager at OnePlusX and is gonna be talking to us today about her experiences rebranding a company. I started this week's episode by asking Sara what branding means to her. So branding for me is basically the company's identity. If you think about a person, it's really the way they are. It's a mix of how they appear. It's a mix of how they talk. It's a bit of you like them and you don't even know why, you know. So it's it's also definitely something intangible and intangible and that it's hard to explain. And that's why um, a lot of CEOs or decision makers um, kind of are a bit skeptic with branding. But it, for me, I always say it's, it's kind of all the touch points that, that you bring out in the world. So, for example, when somebody from your company speaks at a conference, me talking now to you about my company or an employee going to a bar with his best friends and sounding very happy where he works. So, I guess it's very important to invest in branding. Yeah, absolutely. So is it more important in for B2C companies or is it as important in B2B or just completely different? I think it's equally important in B2B, but it's often overlooked because I think there is this misconception in, in B2B that you are selling to business people that are in business mode and so you cannot get personal or you will you will make a fool of yourself but in the end even a business buyer is a person and they will like you even on an emotional basis if you can convey more than just features you know and i always bring the lumascape map as an example i don't know if you know it it's kind of a map where every year they they show all the martech player players and i believe last year's yeah, last year there were around eight thousand companies so you have i don't know the abm vendors you have the marketing intelligence vendors, I don't know, every category. And so it's 8,000 players, you know. And so how many of those are doing the same thing? A lot, you know. And so the only way to stick to, to kind of stick out of this is having a strong branding that also ties emotion and, and additional layers that are not just features, basically. So actually, I believe it's not only important in B2B, it's actually... Um, an opportunity that not enough brands are using while in B2C everybody's doing it basically. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You see a lot of B2B companies who perhaps look a bit intimidated, they're frightened, perhaps they haven't got the buy-in from the senior leadership. Um, and it's definitely a, an opportunity, a competitive advantage for those B2B companies who are looking at branding and and, uh, and making it work for them. Now, You've spoken about the importance of branding. We want to talk today a little bit about rebranding. So um, why should a company consider a, a rebrand? Are there any indicators for, for marketers that will tell them maybe it's time that we, we have a rethink about what we're doing? Yes. So, I mean, this definition is mine. You can prove me wrong. But um, I think it's, it's strictly related to strategy. So you start 
often from a pain point, you know, because it's not it's such um, kind of um, and it takes a lot of time and effort. So it's definitely not something that you, you do just because you want to do it. So for me, a couple of points are, for example, internationalization when you enter new markets. At OnePlus X, we entered uh, Asia and we entered the US. So we had this element. Um, another another point is, for example, when you expand your portfolio with completely new new features or products. And for example, for us, it was we were born as a data management management platform, and then we expanded also in the customer data platform sector. So it's really two di different things. And also, this often goes together with appealing to new client groups. For example, for us, we wanted also to appeal to advertisers, which are a very which is a very different group to our other target group, with, which are publishers. Advertisers are often a lot more sensitive to to marketing and also to the superficial elements of the branding and how you appear and also they don't they don't speak all this tech that that often publishers um speak so it it's completely a different marketing approach and so since we had at least three of those elements for us a rebranding was totally justified do you think it's um it's better to start your rebrand from a position position of strength so whilst your company's doing well or as a sort of if your company's had like a five-year downturn, you need to change something dramatically. Is it better when you're coming from strength or position of weakness? What do you think? Mm, I think, I mean, you should never dig your, your head into the sand when you have a lot of negative signs, of course. Mm, up, up, but on the other side, it's not like you are, you're doing great and then you're like, you know what, let's do a branding, why not, you know? So I think it's in the middle. It's kind of when you're, when you're doing some strategic changes, also, for example, your employee base, um, I don't know, you, you were mainly a tech company like us, and then you're like, we need also to be more commercial focused, you know? So when, you, when you're doing all those, all, all those strategic changes, then it's an indicator and you shouldn't wait till your customers are alienated, your employees are alienated. So I would say you should do it when you're riding the wave, but you're feeling a transition. Yeah, that's really interesting. And a lot of companies will do a sort of a brand refresh rather than a full rebrand. What's the difference for you between between the two? Mm, so a brand refresh is something I would say more top level and that can be labeled as a marketing project because it's merely um, a graphic work in the end. And usually it works best for companies that are really, really established, have been you know, positioning themselves in, in a winning way that is very clear for years and years. So actually it would hurt them to, to change their brand positioning too much. For, for smaller players that, that also change very often their business strategy, all those startups that maybe one day they're nobody, the day after they, they get acquired or, you know, like they, they really go into a different niche. A rebranding is more indicated and that, that's really tied to brand strategy. So it's really, um, I, 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 say, I say it's a company-wide journey of self-discovery because it really... You, you need to get your entire team on board and it's something that needs a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources, a lot of precision and effort. 
So that's a bit, I think the main difference is really on one way, something superficial and marketing focused, on another part, something really not superficial and company focused. Yeah, so you mentioned there something that really interests me when you said about it being a company-wide project and having uh, internal buy-in from key stakeholders. I've actually been through a rebrand in the past and I had the blessing of all the, the top directors um, and they understood it was going to be a long a long-term project. I didn't perhaps communicate as effectively as I should have done with other people in the organization, the wider stakeholders, and that was perhaps uh, something I definitely took away from that experience. So how important is it, do you think, to have buy-in from not just directors, but from company-wide employees? Mm, well, I guess for us, since we are a small company, it was definitely easier because you don't have all those layers of miscommunication and, and approvals, you know. So it was really just sitting at a table, let's do it. How do we get the others on board, you know? But I think you always need to start from the pain points as usual when you want to sell something and um so i guess you know you collect for example the feedback from the sales team for example when the sales team says hey people don't get what we're doing or what we we tell them is not relevant to actually solve their problem and they rather go to the competitors or or maybe um or, or maybe in our case, we had we had also employees, new new joiners that were like, when I was on your website, I really didn't understand what your company was doing. I only fi find out later, you know. So those are all little things, actually not little things, big things that that kind of should raise a red flag. And and so once you get that, you can start, for example, doing customers' interviews and then collect their their insights and see how how they perceive your brand, you know, because that, if that clashes too much with, with, with your idea and your perception, perceptions inside of the company, I guess making a report of all those facts and going with that to your executive team and, and, and saying, hey, we have all of those feedback, really like facts, will definitely kind of, I think, get by. And at least for me, it worked and I really don't, don't see how it shouldn't in any company. Yeah, I think inter in interviewing um, new employees is a really interesting one. So it's before they've got the brand ingrained in their sort of psyche and before they have that internal bias, subconscious bias, asking them in their first weeks what their initial impressions were of the brand, of the website, of your social media presence, of just your online presence in general is really interesting because you'll get some really honest, clear feedback of where, where it is that you can make improvements. So definitely something for people listening to think about if you've got new starters in your marketing teams uh, sit down with them in their first week and ask them everything that they they thought about the company when they were researching it you look like you had another point then no 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 I, I i said absolutely and i think it's also very interesting when you have this um this situation where they start and they're like you know like you're totally underselling yourself you know like i would have never expected this this and that and so i guess it's really really important to address that yeah absolutely uh, i wanted to move on to the practical steps for undertaking a full rebrand because uh, as anyone who knows who's listening who's been through it it's a big old project so what is your advice what are the practical steps you took when you were undertaking your rebrand so um 
I think my biggest piece of advice here is to divide the project in smaller steps because otherwise you're going to get overwhelmed and kill yourself at some point. And also the psychological effect of, you know, having a little victory after another will, will give you the power to pull it through for all the time that it takes. Um, as I said, um, I would start with customer interviews where you really ask them, you know, what do you like about us? How do you perceive working with us? What don't you like? How would you describe us if you were if we were a person? All of these um, questions. Um, and then also competitive research simultaneously. So um, I, as a marketer, for example, analyzed the visual and verbal communication of our competitors, their, their marketing strategies from social to PR, everything. And I complemented it with research that our product team does on a recurring basis where they analyze more the products and, and the portfolio. So you have really a 360 degree competitive analysis of your competitors. And basically those two things are really the starting point for everything where you really pitch your project to, to executives. And then you can start once you, it's, it's approved that you can start the project, you can start with the positioning workshops. So in our case, we had more than one. And, and there you have basically um, a leader from every team. In our, in our case, the CEO, the product, um, head of product, head of um, sales, um, customer success, HR, because obviously also the whole employee aspect is super important, marketing. Um, and then you, you discuss basically business strategy. You discuss, okay, what, what are our USPs? What makes us special? Um, how would you describe the company? And a very important thing there is that everybody will have a lot of, you know, things that makes us special and, and ideas. But then when you really pin them down on a wall, everybody realizes, mm, actually, a lot of people do that, you know. And so, but, but that's actually good because you cannot have 2,000 USPs. So you, you basically focus on those, I don't know, three, five USPs that your company really, really excels at. And once, uh, and you document everything, because obviously then if you don't do that later, everybody will have an opinion or say, I didn't say that, you know? <laughs> um, and so what we did, super interesting, is that we had, I don't know, those hours, hours of, of free flow discussion. Um, and then we, we kind of clustered all the main um all the main concept under some brand positioning facets. So for us, it was, for example, energetic, sociable, and performance-driven. So all the things that we mentioned in those four hours or whatever fall under those concepts. And so after that, we knew this is our brand personality. And once we had this, we could start all the creative work. So we could start doing the visual part and we could start doing the verbal part. So kind of what is our brand messaging? What is our tone of voice? Uh, what are USPs, the elevator pitch, all of those things. Um, and so basically you, 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 just, you just transform those abstract concepts and personality into something visible and, and, and also kind of verbal. That's how it, it works. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, in our case, we also had to relaunch the website. So, yeah, we also did all the work on, on the website, apart from, from all the marketing assets that needed to be redone, the logo, etc. 
So we'll talk a little bit more about the website in a second, but in terms of a full project, how long were you talking about? How long did it take you in total? Mm, for us, uh, including the website relaunch, but just one part, we are still on the website relaunch. Um, it was nine months. So imagine like companies with thousands or even more, it can take years. And I know that. So it's just something for, for listeners to bear in mind if they're considering it. Um, I like a few of the things you mentioned there, the small successes, having uh, having little successes along the way is great for keeping people motivated, keeping that end vision in mind because you're having that sort of refresh every every week or every month, however you do it. And the brand personalities or well, getting that sorted, getting everyone on board with it is a really, really good way of making sure you're going to get company-wide buy-in for, for the project. So let's talk a bit more about the website. So can you tell me about how you manage this process? Um, well, in our case, it was kind of more a launch than a relaunch because our old website was really, really basic. It was really a basic standard template. It was rarely updated, not to mention SEO optimization. Like, what is that even? So um, I would rather say that for us, it was what it was really like an opportunity to start doing something customer focused, also nice, appealing visually, but also user friendly. So um, obviously it starts kind of with these aspects that marketers don't really like, which is the choice of, of the C, um, CMS and uh, the hosting provider. We decided to stick to WordPress, which was also our, our previous um, CMS because I think I'm, I'm really happy with that. It's, it's very easy to manage. Um, and, uh, but the difference was also that we decided to create um, kind of a custom um, yeah, theme this time that, that was custom designed. So I think this adds a bit of spice and personality, which, which is important. Um, then for us, the second step was really, really something that took a long time which is the offering development. So in, in our previous site, we basically had a generic product page with very generic offering, you know. So this time we really thought, okay, how what matters to the people? What do they want to find? What, what emerged from, from sales conversation? What features can we present without listing, listing every single feature of the platform, you know? So obviously, as you can imagine, there were several disagreements there along the way, but at some point you need to ship it. And we decided to start with um, a division between solutions and products instead of, you know, customer segments, because in the end for us, it, it makes sense since um, both products and solutions are for both customer segments most of the times. So obviously this needs to be validated, but I think it, it's a great starting point. Um, and then as you move on and you decide that, you have the wireframes that show a bit the structure of, of the website, still very rudimental, not, not designed. This is before the actual design. And once you approve them, um, you, get, you get kind of the mockups, the responsive mockups, first for web and then also for, for mobile, which are sometimes a pain. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, and then finally, it's, it's the content migration or content development. Because for us, as I said, we didn't have much content migration to do, but rather really content development, um, yeah, starting from scratch. 
So is it fair to say that your original website was was very basic? So in terms of, I think when a lot of companies redo their site, one thing they don't consider is that the SEO might be quite badly impacted um, if they just do it and relaunch everything. Um, because you were coming from a site that didn't have as much content on, was that less of a consideration for you? I mean, you can you can say that it was bad. We say it too. I think everybody in the company was really embarrassed about the site, so no problem. Um, I think for us, I mean, SEO is obviously a very delicate aspect when you when you when you relaunch a website, and we didn't have any SEO specialists on the team. So that for me was a thought, and I reached out to an SEO specialist to, to really start the project with us. And so this was also a first uh, launch of the SEO strategy for us. So in our case, we 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 started the keyword research, you know, and we we built kind of we have building the content strategy we launched a blog um, so that we can capitalize on the content and for example um, a transactional keyword strategy for the offering page and an informational um, keyword strategy for for the blog that will be filled progressively then there is all the redirection story, which in our case was only, you know, kind of some pages that didn't change or maybe some pages that were deleted. But imagine if you have really um, a website that that grew out of control, which happens all the time, then, I mean, already all the redirection can take months, you know, because you, you, you need to know what you did there. You need to find old uh, corpses that you didn't even know they existed anymore. Um, and another thing that we are doing is launching the digital PR strategy. So starting really um, earning backlinks because what we did up to now was merely offline PR. And so it's time also to, um, to work on that and also work on the UX that is more and more relevant factor for SEO. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for, yeah, for people listening, if whether or not it's a relaunching of a site that's been around for a long time, or if you're starting basically from scratch, bringing someone on board from, from the get-go who's going to be able to help with the SEO and advise on that is, is something that can be, uh, that is really important. And of course, the user experience of the end the end result is is critical. How is the user experience of your site now, Sarah? I was on it recently and it seemed pretty good to me. Are you happy with the end result? Yeah, I mean, definitely better. The time on page has improved. Also, also the bounces have improved. But um, since we are now relaunching kind of the offering part, which will come this and next week, I guess this will dramatically change things, I hope for the better. Because obviously what we will have 10 or, or 15 pages of offering, you know, so that's actually what people who are a bit more advanced in their journey will actually read. Same for the blog, obviously. So what has been the initial response from sort of internal uh, internal teams and also with clients you're working with? Are they impressed with the rebranding? Um, have you seen a positive response from, from clients and, and employees so far? Well, um, for me, I, I look at branding as something very, very long term. So for me, the end goal is obviously revenue, but there are some goals that are short term wins or metrics that can indicate if you're going into the right direction. Um, we had 
some um, some employees, some joiners saying that, you know, they completely understood what the company did. So this changed a lot. Uh, besides, obviously, the visual aspect, which is uncomparable and it's just a matter of aesthetics, but it goes a long way. Um, clients also were were really really happy and 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 kind of I think we did a first step in in bridging this gap where they during those first interviews they said that they liked the way that we are playful that we always do jokes that um, we're always positive you know and we tried to position ourselves as a company who is serious and professional with a branding that had basically zero emotions you know so I think. This um, this first gap is kind of bridged in a way, but um, a bit midterm. I want to see more organic traffic, brand branded search, um, inbound opportunities for speaking at conferences, um, obviously time on page, as I as I told you, and I think um, close collaboration with sales is super important to really get all the insights about what happens during sales conversation when somebody gets a demo, for example. Uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. How do you how do you go about having those conversations with your sales team? Do you sit in on on sales meetings, on sales calls, speak directly to customers? How how do you get those insights? Well, I first of all we are. I think that's my first priority right now. It's working on the sales and marketing alignment. We we started from a situation where there was basically no alignment. Um, so I started joining sales conversation. I do it as much as I can, considering we're a very small team. It's really hard to to be regularly there. But we have weekly meetings with sales where we where we get an update about you know what what deals are open, what conversations are going on, relevant feedback from from sales conversations, um, also questions that we can then use to produce content. That's also very important. And I guess you also you also understand if 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 what you're trying to put out as a marketer is resonating or not. So that's that's definitely, I think, for me, the biggest um, exchange. Customer success as well. They have they have more an ongoing relationship with acquired customers. So acquired customers, I mean, they know you, and they're also a bit biased, as you said before. So I think that's that's another part of of, of communication. So I think I personally, I think that the information from from prospect is a bit more useful in this in this regard yeah absolutely so you've been through this whole process of of the rebranding what was the a couple of questions what was the biggest challenge of it and what one single piece of advice would you give to anyone any marketers listening who are considering going through the rebrand themselves i think the biggest challenge is to look at this kind of objectively because i mean the visual aspect of of branding is very very subjective you know and then you're gonna have the discussion about light or dark dark blue you know (laughs) and so and so i think it's very very important to collect facts and 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 kind of you know link like a chain all steps that kind of build upon another you know for example you're like okay if we discuss that we want to be energetic we cannot take too strict forms or too or dark colors for example you know and so this is a way to make it more objective 
And then the other thing is that, especially in, in our case or in another case of smaller companies where you work with founders, it's, it's a bit harder to have also objective discussions because obviously it's their kid, you know, and so it's a very emotion loaded conversation and, and it can be perceived as a personal critique when you say that things don't work. So I, I, I would recommend in, in that situation to, to really base it, stress the facts even more, but also highlight the opportunities rather than this doesn't work and this is bad and, 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 and this is, yeah. Um, and also, I think it's very important, as we said before, to set realistic timelines, you know, to say, okay, this is not the project that you can expect to be done in two months, because it will show, it will show if we rushed it and just put out something that looks nice, but without any, any depth, you know, um, and also it will show if you work in silos and if, if you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, let's just, you know, have a chat with sales and marketing and, and, and we do it, you know, because it's not only about obviously a project that requires a lot of manpower, but it's it's also about the the after the, the aftermath of the launch because this is something that will stick for years of, of um, hopefully, and you want basically everybody in the company to be your ambassador to be kind of going into the same direction and not uh, again everybody says something different feels something different etc. So get by in and also make it a company project. So, sorry, you've, you've been through this process. It's, it's been really fascinating to, to hear what you've been through. I'd love to know a bit more about your marketing journey and how you ended up with uh, the company at OnePlus X and also, um, yeah, just a bit about you, you as a marketer. Sure. Um, well, I started my career in sales, actually. I worked at Tesla and in Switzerland here. And for me, this was really the, the first time that I was like, my God, the power of branding is like incredible, you know, like <laughs> working for a company where basically the product sell itself and you, you, you get like, you get people coming in the shops and already being like, you are God, your product is God, Elon Musk is God, you know, like you basically just sit on test drives and then they buy. And so um, I, I think an experience in sales is really key for, for marketers. I studied economics and then marketing in, I, I had a master in marketing, so I knew I wanted to, to go back in marketing. And so after Tesla, I, I joined an IT consultancy where I, I did digital marketing, social media and, and advertising, paid advertising. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it was it wasn't it was around thousand people. So it wasn't the bigger company. I really I really well there. I learned how, how cool and how much power there is in, in social media and digital marketing. And I don't think there is any other form of marketing nowadays. And then about one year and a half ago, I met my boss, um, who is the CEO of OnePlus X, and they were looking for basically the first marketing hire. And they were looking for somebody who um, had a lot of experience, which I didn't, <laughs> and, and wanted to really launch the, the marketing strategy at this company and bring it to a new level because they were really, really tech driven, really. They, 
they didn't know much about marketing, you know. So also the CEO wanted to be instructed and and enlightened about about marketing. And even if I didn't get the experience, I probably got them with my passion for marketing. And so I got the job. And yeah, it was definitely the right decision because um, as as in a startup, things can change very, very rapidly. In not even a year, I got the opportunity to build the team and lead the team. And now we are basically hiring um, a third marketing employee, a content marketing manager. And I also convinced them to hire a product marketing manager. And so, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So when you started off uh, as a one-person marketer in your organization, apart from the obvious challenges of of time and resources, what was the biggest challenge to, to do running that department by yourself? So many. <laughs> but, uh, but I think the biggest challenge was that you don't have anybody to mirror your thoughts. I mean, this in marketing is really, really the worst thing for me. I, I knew it was a bad thing because in my previous company, I was um, maybe the only digital marketing marketer in my team. But really like nobody that really knows much about marketing, it's hard. But on the other hand, I found kind of um, a way to to navigate that because I work, I obviously hired some freelancers and agencies and we became kind of a cross company team, you know. Um, and also I must say that despite being a tech driven company where you often would say, okay, people really think marketing is the science of nothing, you know, like these kind of things they were really, really interested, you know, they were really like, wow, I would have never thought about this, you know, like from my perspective, this this doesn't make any sense. And so you really also see how that it's not only that for marketer engineering is rocket science, but maybe also for an engineer marketing is rocket science. And, And yeah, I guess that was the biggest challenge. Yeah, I think having someone to bounce ideas off as well is is a big one. And the, like what you said, there, there's so many challenges to being in a, a one-person marketing team. So um, if you are one of those, rest assured you're not alone, if any of us out there. Um, so finally, final question, are any resources that, that you recommend, uh, books, platforms, uh, social influencers that you use to stay on top of your marketing knowledge? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could read more. Unfortunately, I don't read books a lot, but I read Influence by Robert Cialdini, which is basically, as the title says, um, yeah, a book that really explains how the psychology of influencing uh, works. Then I'm part of DGMG, which is a B2B marketing group by Dave Gerhardt. It's really awesome how much you can learn just by, you know, marketers sharing their their challenges or or asking questions. And then I think LinkedIn is really, really an infinite um, knowledge pool. I mean, that's also how you found. So actually, I, I get the most of my knowledge there at the moment. And I really appreciate the um, Refine Labs team, um, besides uh, Chris Walker, also Sam Kunley. I really, really like his content. And then uh, always in the demand generation space, um, Gaetano Dinardi and Ran Yosef. Then um, I also learned a lot from Laura Erdem, who is uh, an account ex- executive um, who talks about sales, PLG, and uh, marketing attribution. 
Um, and finally, also um, copywriting. Um, a friend of mine who is called Dina Kalakovic, she shares a lot of great content um, around messaging um, and, and copywriting. And finally, Jason Vena, who is a brand strategist, um, messaging uh, guru. So those are a bit my, my inspiration on, on LinkedIn. Wow. So a lot of, uh, a lot of resources there for listeners, a few, few previous, um, guests on the show as well, which is good to hear. Um, but yeah, lots of, lots of people for, for you to all check out and, uh, to learn from. So I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you very much for, for being on the podcast today. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Thanks so much. It was really a pleasure. A big thanks to Sarah for sharing her time and expertise with us all today. If you've enjoyed listening, then please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider, share this episode on social media, or with a colleague that you think will enjoy it. If you would like to learn more information about how to run your own podcast, then you can visit azonetwork.com slash podcasts. I'll be back again soon with another guest for the marketing science community. We hope you can join us then. And until next time, take care. And thanks for listening.